Global outreach isn't only for a select few willing to pack up home and family and move to a foreign land. It's for all of us. Wherever you are on the globe, you can make Jesus famous. It's everyday life, and it's easier than you think. You've already been sent. Together, let's discover what to do right where we are, across the street, and around the world. When people watch the news, when they look at CNN and Fox News and everything else out there, it first of all says God is not moving, and our world is in severe trouble. And what you may get from that is why in the world would I want to be part of that? Why would I want to pack up my family and be a part of what God is doing around the world when it doesn't look like he's doing much? Give us hope. God is moving on the planet and hopefully inspires some of us to become a part of that. So once again, help me welcome. Exactly. Wow. What, I'm here to tell you what CNN is not telling you and Fox and all of them, which is easy to do. Because all they're trying to do is scare you. So I'm here to encourage you. That's a, a different, yeah, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't read, they say, as they say. Um, I, I'm impressed, though. It, like, I was looking at my watch. It's, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and you guys were, are this juiced up at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> like, what? Where am I? This is great. I love the spirit in here. We, I've been praying for you guys for the whole last week, this past week, um, because uh, I love coming here, and I don't like going to places and doing something that I've done before. I can't stand it. I bore myself. And, uh, and so just really asking the Lord what, just to put on my mind what is on his mind about Columbia, South Carolina, about Grace Life. And so uh, it was interesting because, let's see, what is today? So Friday night, late, we, Friday night, my, uh, my wife surprised me with um, tickets to Neil Diamond's 50th anniversary concert, which was in Portland. And I thought, is he still? Yeah, he's still around. And uh, I was like, wow. Um, but because we, way back in 1979 when we met, my wife and I, we listened to a lot of Neil Diamond. So we went to this concert. It was Friday night. So, and then the flight was 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. So she, she just got a hotel room right by the airport. So downtown, Go to Neil Diamond, which is great. He's a little slower, but it's still good. He walks slower. He walks around like it was funny. But he sings great. So we went to that, and then, um, and then that night, I, was, I started, I was really praying, like, Lord, <laughs> Neil Diamond can make you think about a lot of interesting things. And, uh, and so I was praying um, about being here, and I knew, I thought, well, you know, on the plane ride and everything. But I had something in my mind already, and I was praying, and uh, I had a dream. And I don't have many dreams, but when I do, they're, they're pretty vivid. And so um, I had this dream that I was just suddenly in the middle of a desert, like a complete empty wasteland by myself. And I was standing there, and, um, and then I fell down on my face, like pretty hard. I don't know why I fell down exactly, but I fell down. And when I fell down on my face, I said to God, prove to me that you're with me in this place. And I wasn't afraid, you know, in, in dreams and things like that, in your subconscious, it's like what's important is the emotion more than the dream itself. So what's the emotion? Because that's what's triggering it. So um, I remember in the dream thinking, okay, I'm not afraid. I've been in way worse situations than this when I was awake. Um, and so uh, I wasn't afraid. And then, and then I, 
so I, I sat up in the dream, and I'm, I'm on the ground, and I'm looking. It's dark, and way in the distance, I can see a city. Like, I can see the outline of a city, the lights of a city. It was really beautiful, actually. And I was looking, and my question was, prove to me that you're with me, God. Prove to me that you're with me. Um, and, uh, and so I'm looking at that, and all of a sudden, something from behind me comes from behind me that's like a shadow. It's dark, and I know it's really bad. And it comes racing out around me in front and goes into the forward towards the city. And this is, this is what the, the impression was in my mind. The Lord said to me, I'm not only in front of you, there's the city that we're going to, but more importantly, I'm behind you. God is the, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's behind you, and he's in front of you. Both of those places scare us. The past and the future scare us. The past because of accusation. The future because of deception. The two great weapons of the enemy. Accusation, deception. And so it, it wasn't, pr- the Lord's proof wasn't like Jesus standing there going, I'm here. It was more interesting, it was, he's, he's like, there's stuff behind you you don't even know about, and it can't hurt you. That was, what, that was the whole point of the dream. In front of you, if you keep moving, is what the future is. But behind you, I have your back. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. What does that mean for Columbia? What does that mean for you at Grace Life? What stops us in this life is fear of the past and fear of the future. That's what hurts us. And that's all the news ever talks about. What went wrong in the past and what's going to go wrong in the future. And we buy into this stuff, oh my gosh, unbelievably. So, um, so that's what I've been thinking about. And then yesterday uh, in Atlanta, I was standing in the line for, uh, at the coffee place. And w- the guy in front of me goes up, he's t- talking to the barista. And he says to the barista, hey, what do you know? I haven't heard that greeting in a long time. Hey, what do you know? You know that greeting? Hey, what do you know? And the barista very cleverly answered, nothing. And I thought, wow. This guy's asking you what you know, and your answer is nothing. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to, the rest of this trip of that yesterday, I'm going to go around. Every time I meet a person, I'm going to go, hey, what do you know? And see what they say. And I just kept, this is very accurate research on my part. So I kept a record. <laughs> of this quantitative research. Um, and it's fascinating what people say when you ask them, hey, what do you know? So there were two kinds of responses. There was the nonverbal, which was either a person just looked at me like I was an idiot, that person, they, and they just walked away. Two, second was this. Brilliant answer. I mean, they didn't even have to think about this one. It was just a muscle movement. Probably, they've probably been doing that their whole life. Hey, what's about your future? You know, that kind of thing, that. Um, and then there was the verbal, and the verbal was nothing. You know, people saying nothing, or not much, or do you have 30 seconds? I like that one. It's going to take the person 30 seconds to tell me what they know. And then this one, I don't know much, but I know we're in trouble. That's the news. I don't know what's going on, but I know we're in trouble. Wow. But it, so if you if I asked you what do you know, like what do you know, what would you say? 
most of the time we don't know what we know. We don't. And we don't know, we definitely don't know what we don't know. It's, this, is, this is called metacognition. It's like knowing what you know and how you know it. Like thinking about what do I know and how do I know that? So, so imagine if Jesus is, if you're walking around with Jesus and you ever said to Jesus, hey, what do you know? What would he say? I, I promise you he wouldn't do this. I promise you he wouldn't do that. I know he wouldn't do this. Not much. I'm certain he wouldn't say, I don't know, but I know we're in trouble. I know he would never say that. Jesus never thought they were in trouble. Listen to me say that again. Jesus never thought they were in trouble. Why do we think we're in trouble? Why do I think I'm in trouble? Why do I think my city's in trouble? Why do I think my country's in trouble? Why do we think this? Who told us we're in trouble? Are you in trouble? I mean, communion says to me, you're not in trouble. You were in trouble. You're not in trouble anymore, ever again. That's what communion says. You don't believe that, do we? No, I think we're in trouble. Hmm. So, but, so let's just keep thinking about that. If we, if we ask Jesus, well, what do you know, what would he say? Well, so if we look at the Gospels, Jesus knows a lot about a lot of things. Um, he, says, he says what he knows in strange ways, so that when he says it, people are like, we don't know what he just said. Like that, that, you know, like, what did he just say? Because he likes you to come ask him, what did you mean when you said that? He loves that, and then he can tell you how to, not what to know, how to know how to know things. That's what he's teaching us. Not what to know. It's how to know what to know. That's a big difference. So, so if we ask him, what do you know, he would, he would tell us. So here's three things Jesus talked about the most. Do you know the top three things he, tell, he would tell people about stuff that he knew? Number one topic that Jesus knows about. Well, he would say, I think, first, I know the Father. He knows a person. That's pretty critical. We think information. He thinks relationship. What do you know? I know God, he would say. I know the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. What else do you need to know? Do you need to know anything else other than that? But beyond that, okay, so, okay, he knows the Father. So he talks about three topics in relation to that. Topic number one, most talked about topic by Jesus, the kingdom of God. That's his number one topic. If you, if you want to know what's happening in the world, you must know the kingdom of God. If you don't know the kingdom of God, you don't know what's happening in the world. You don't know what's happening right here. You don't. So that's one topic. That's the first most important topic to him is the kingdom of God. Topic number two is faith. That's topic number two, faith. So kingdom of God and faith. Faith. What is faith? Why is faith his number two topic? Well, because faith, listen carefully, faith is the substance of the things that you hope for. What are you hoping for this morning? What, if you're not hoping for anything, you're in big trouble, but most of us aren't. Most of us aren't really hoping for anything. So, um, because we would be given an answer for the reason for the hope that's in us, if we were, people would be like, how do you have hope in all this stuff? What are you hoping for? Most of us don't have it. So because we don't have faith, faith is the substance of the things you hope for, 
the evidence of things that you can't see yet. So faith is all about this. This, forward. Faith is forward. Faith allows me to not necessarily believe what I see right in front of me. Faith lets me see things more broadly and in a different kind of knowing. Like, like, so Aristotle said, Aristotle, you know Aristotle, <laughs> famous Greek guy. Someone asked Aristotle, because he was writing his book on physics, and they said, how, how, why do, how come things don't go flying off the earth? How come things don't fall off the planet? That's a good question. Most people don't care about that question, you know? They don't think about that. I don't, never really thought about that. I know. So here's his answer. Well, because he, he's the smartest guy around. He said, well, those rocks right there, the reason they don't fly off the earth is because they like it here. They have a sense of belonging, and why would you leave a place where you feel at home? And everyone went, well, that sounds really right. <laughs> like the whole world is out there, the whole world is out there, and every one of you could go to any place on this planet you want and impact it forever, but you're like a rock. I belong here. I'm just going to stay here. And so then God has to make the rocks cry out. But what if you could go? So, right, so 2,500 years people go, that is right. This podium loves right here. It's not going to move unless some other force comes and moves it. It's not going to move. This podium is like me. I don't move. I stay still in one spot unless something moves me. What can move me? Faith. What do you hope for? So, kingdom of God, faith, and third topic, money. That's interesting. Kingdom, faith, money. Here's our order of thinking of things. Money. And that's about it right there. That's, all right. that's about it. Money and being a rock. If I had enough money, I'd stay right here. That Augustine, Aristotle's theory was only changed by Newton in 1910. 1910 was when everyone was like, 1910, Newtonian physics. A little before that, Newton comes up with that. And until 1910, Newtonian physics says, oh, that's not right. Rocks don't stay here because they like it here. There's a force that holds them here. 1910, up until 1910, Newtonian physics. And that, that was 100 years of, oh, Newton's got it, cause and effect, mechanistic theory. That's it. That's it. We're sure. And then Einstein comes along and goes, nope, that's not right. And so when you look back in the, our history of knowing things, most everything we think we know is wrong. Isn't that interesting? I mean, read history. It's like, and yeah, the, the world's flat. And wrong. They killed people that said the world wasn't flat. So I'm back to the question, what do we know? What do you know, and how do you know it? Faith, Jesus' number two favorite topic, faith is what allows us to go out into a world unafraid. 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 Now, what, what would we do if we could go in a world unafraid? Here, let me read something. This is the passage of Scripture I could not get out of my mind. Um, Jesus rebukes three things in his life. So his top three topics are kingdom, kingdom, faith, and money. 
kingdom faith. Let's stay on those two, kingdom faith. And so he only rebukes three things in his career of walking around in history. He rebukes three things. He rebukes loud storms. He doesn't like loud storms. You know why? Because they couldn't hear what he was saying, basically. That's why. So he's like, hey. And the storm would shut up. Interesting. So he rebukes loud storms. He rebukes Lucifer. I'll put these in L so you never forget them. He rebukes Lucifer a lot and all his boys. And then here's what he rebukes in his people. The lack of faith. That's the only thing he rebukes in his disciples. The lack of faith. In Scripture, Jesus is amazed at two things. Amazed at two things. The presence of faith. When he's talking to that centurion, Matthew chapter 8, he's amazed at the centurion. The centurion, you know, sends a servant. My my, my servant is sick. And Jesus is like, I'll come to your house. And he's like, you don't have to. You're a man of authority. I get authority. All you have to do is say it, and it is done. Faith is the substance of the things that guy hopes for. It's the evidence of things not seen yet. And by it, by it, people change the world. I don't care what's in the newspaper. If you don't like what's in the newspaper, change it. You, change it. You can. How? If you know the kingdom and you have faith, you can do it. So if Jesus only rebukes the lack of faith in people, and he's only amazed by two things, the presence of faith, and then in Mark chapter 6, the absence of faith amazes Jesus. He's amazed at the lack of faith in people. You you can just see him. It's like, this is the passage I was thinking of. This is Luke 4. Um, And so Jesus has just, in Luke's writings, has just come out of rebuking the enemy, rebuking Lucifer, so the temptation. He's come out of that. Jesus, we just sang it. Jesus has shut down the enemy. We just sang it. You know what authority the enemy has over every one of you in this room? None. None. You know, what are we afraid of? Jesus, and he, he, he shuts down the enemy. Jesus came to do two things. Destroy the work of the enemy. Done. Finished. That's over. And to make people well. Because people still act like the enemy can hurt them. But he's behind us. He's got your back. What is the enemy going to do to you? Kill you? Only one, only one person can kill you. Only one person can kill you and judge you. And that one sent his son so you don't have to die and you'll never be judged. What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? That you're going to die? Is that what we're afraid of? We're going to die? Wow, how false can you walk around? Jesus would be stunned that we're afraid to die. He's like, you must not know what happens when you die. Because... You would be begging for me to kill you. You would say, where are people dying for Jesus? I'm going. It's not a termination. It's a promotion. That's the point. That's why we take communion. It's like, I hope I die. Paul's like this. I mean, I'll live if I have to. That's how he talks. God, if you're going to make me do another Monday here, I will, because that's like being like Jesus. But, but if, if I could have what I wanted, I'd kill me. We're the opposite. God, please, another Monday. I need another Monday so bad. Don't send me somewhere where I'm not going to have another awesome Monday here. Like, what's wrong with us? 
God, send me anywhere where there's never another Monday like I just had. Anywhere, Yemen, let's go. Let's go where I can be with you and talk about the kingdom and faith. And God can look at us and go, I am amazed by your faith. Wow, way to go. You guys are awesome. We need to go. We got to go. Come on. This passage, wow. This passage in Luke, this is when, uh, everyone even, can't even read the whole thing. But, so, he, so Jesus cast, is, is, rebukes Lucifer. He comes into to Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. <clears throat> He's, he gets the scroll. He gets the Torah. And he stands up and he reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I, I want you to think one thing while I read this. This is about you. This was from, this was Isaiah. This was Jesus reading Isaiah. This is you. There was Eden. Then there was Eden was the presence of God. Then there was the tabernacle, was the presence of God. Then there was the temple, where was the presence of God. Then there was Jesus, who is the presence of God. Then there's us, who are the presence of God. You, do you not know you are the temple of the living God and that you have the mind of Christ? So what can you do? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. You. He has sent you to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind and set liberty to those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's you. That's me. We can, and everyone's, and, and he rolled up the scroll, scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him and they began to, to say, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your reading. And all spoke well of him and marveled because Jesus is saying, this is it. Here it is. I'm it. And now, today, you're it. We're it. We're it. We can do it. You can do this. We can go out there. We can go out anywhere in the world, anywhere you want to go. We can go and we can do this. And you know what will happen? We'll win. Do you know that with Jesus, there's no win-lose scenario with Jesus? Do you know that? He, when he... His disciples are like, wow, if we go into Jerusalem, there's a big win-lose scenario going on there. And Jesus rebukes their lack of faith. Don't tell me this is a win-lose scenario. I only do win-win scenarios. Jesus is only ever in win-win scenarios. Since he's in me, since he's in you, you are now only in win-win scenarios. Who told you that you're in win-lose scenarios? You know how I know people think they're in win-lose scenarios? Because they're scared. What are you afraid of? Losing. Who said you're going to lose? Hmm. How do you know you're going to lose? Hmm. I don't know. I know you don't know what you don't know. And what you do know is like saying rocks like it here. I know because rocks like it here. You still believe that? Jesus. So here. So Jesus says this. Then here, watch the crowd. Here's the crowd. Here's the Sunday morning crowd. Wow, that was amazing. Wow, Jesus, that was amazing. Are you saying that I can go anywhere in the world and do amazing things? Do you know that right now in the world, so many, you can read Garrison's book, research on this, so many millions of Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years that they're actually predicting the end of Islam. Did you know that? It's, I mean, the documentation's unbelievable, but if you just go, Indonesia, this, Jakarta, 
you know, 20 million people, 99% Muslim, elected a Christian mayor. He won the popular vote. Wow, they're not reading the paper. That can't happen, can it? I know that can't happen. You don't know. You don't know. In the kingdom, that does happen. With faith, that does happen. If it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. Then what are we afraid of? What do we believe in? So here they are. So, so I could stand up here, and t- I can tell you story after story. I'm going to tell you one if I can squeeze it in here. But of, of the most radical people I know in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. are coming to faith. I don't know exactly why now it's happening, but it is. And I would say if you're interested in seeing something amazing, you better get out there. You better jump on a plane and go because it's incredible. I would go just to see it, but then we get to be a piece of it. That's even more amazing. Faith is the substance of the things you hope for. It's the evidence of the things you haven't seen yet. What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Why are we here like rocks? Nothing can hold you here except fear. Amazement will move you out there. Over and uh, get out there. We need you out there. So, if millions of Muslims are coming to faith, guess how many people we need out there to help with this? A lot, a lot. We need you. Plus, plus, because we're each individuals and we each have unique identities, and you were knit together in your mother's room uniquely, like a fingerprint. Nobody can do out there what you can do, and we need what you can do. And you don't know what you can do, and I don't know what you can do, but we'll know once you're out there doing it. Then we'll all know, oh, that's what you do. Oh, you could do that? And you're like, I didn't know I could do this. I know. Who told you you couldn't do something like this? I don't know. I was just praying for another Monday. Now I don't care anymore. This is amazing. I'm fearless out here. So Jesus, here's the crowd. They're, they're like, whoa, this is amazing. Then here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes the knowing, the, the human knowing. And they go, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. That's a great message. We love, we love what you said, yeah. Isn't that Joseph's son? Here they go. Here comes the enemy. Wait a second. It's, who is that guy? Isn't that just Joseph's son? Wait. You know, you look in the mirror and you go, wait a second. Wow, that was good Sunday. Man, I was like ready to sign up to jump on a plane to Uganda or somewhere. But now that I look in the mirror, I'm like, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? The enemy's right there looking in the mirror with you going, I don't know what you were thinking. Because you're nothing. And, he, and he's nothing. Isn't that Joseph's son? Like, like, come on. We were excited for five minutes, but now it's the end of the service. And, you know, let's get real. I love when people say that to me. Let's get real. You mean let's get scared again. Be realistic. Be afraid. That's what that means. Isn't that just Joseph's son? Boy, and then Jesus lets him have it. Whoo, whoo. He lets them have it. He says, let me tell you something, my Jewish friends, my Jewish community. And he starts talking about the Old Testament where he says, you know, in the time of the famine of Elijah, God, there was lots of Jews, lots of Jews. But God picked a Gentile woman. Why? I don't know. Because the Jews went, isn't that just Joseph's son? And God's all right, I'll go get someone that'll go with me. From, from the barbarians, the Jews would think. From the pagans. And they're like, oh, 
He didn't pick us? You don't want to be picked. You don't want to be picked. Yes, well, well, but we're still jealous. Oh. Oh. And then he's like, and, and there were lots of people that needed healing. But God picks a Syrian, a Syrian. Listen, God's like, oh, a Syrian. God picked a Syrian over the Jewish people. Yes. And so then they do what, what mobs do when they're upset. We're throwing Jesus off a cliff. And that's what we do. But we're all worked up. Wow, maybe God could really do amazing things with me. Maybe he could. Maybe he could. Maybe. And when you start letting your faith, just a little mustard seed of it go out like this, wow, what would I, where would I love to live? Who, would I, who am I most afraid of? I'm going to go impact that group. That would take away the fear and the threat. I'm going. Driving home. I'm going. Looking at your wife. I'm going. She's like, I've been praying 10 years that you would go. Really? <laughs> then, oh, brother. That's my wife, by the way. And, uh, and then you get home, and you're like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wasn't that just Joseph's son? Hold on a second. You look in the mirror, like, ah, oh, come on. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? I know what. I'm just going to throw Jesus off the cliff. I'm not doing this stuff. I'm throwing my faith right off the cliff. And so they go to throw Jesus off the cliff, this big mob. Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing about Jesus. He's never in a win-lose scenario, so they can't throw him off a cliff. He's like, what do you guys want to do? We have a mob. We're throwing you off a cliff. He's like, nah, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to do that because you're not in charge of throwing me off cliffs. Only God can throw me off a cliff, and it's not time yet. So I don't care how many people you have. You can't throw me off a cliff because he's not afraid. He goes, when it's time to go off a cliff, I'll take myself off the cliff. You don't have any say. Are you afraid someone's going to throw you off a cliff? That means they have to be able to throw Jesus off a cliff, and nobody can. And he's right here. So for me to go over the cliff, he has to go over the cliff. As far as I know, we're not going over the cliff anytime soon. But when it's time to go over the cliff, he'll be holding my hand, and we won't go down. We'll go up, and I ain't coming back, and I don't want to. I want to go there because to live is Christ, but to die, oh, my gosh, gain, gain, gain. Yeah. Wow. So in 30 seconds, a young guy comes to me, a young man comes to me and says, Jamie, I want to do something, I want to do something in a Middle Eastern country that hasn't be done, been done before. And I said, okay, like what? He goes, I want to have an all-Muslim men's retreat. I'm like, you mean a, a retreat of you mean a retreat of Muslim guys that have come to Christ and we're gonna get, no 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 no, Muslims who don't believe in Jesus. I want to have all Muslims men's retreat. Oh, you want to bring them here? Where it's, no, I want to do it there in their country. Well, who do you want to have the speaker? A Muslim. Well, what do you want to talk about? How Jesus is superior to Muhammad? <laughs> Wait a second. Let me just make sure I'm getting what you're saying here because. I don't think you know what you're talking about, because I do know. <laughs> no, no, we want to go, yeah, we, no, no, I want to go into the, this Middle Eastern country. I want to have a, get a bunch of Muslim leaders, oh, leaders, leaders together, yeah. And I, I want to have a retreat with a Muslim speaker and then those, and, and with all those Muslim leaders and talk about how the Bible is superior to the Quran and Jesus to Muhammad. And I said, here, I'll just, give me a gun, I'll shoot you right now. We'll just save the airfare of all that happening. 
Why does he think he can do that? Because he believes in the kingdom and he has faith. That's why. Like, what do you think you know? I know what I hope for. I know what I wish I could see, but I can't see it yet, so I'm going to go see it happen. And so we agree. All right. So we go. We gather them. It took all kinds of, I'll tell you this whole story. It was amazing. Get them all in a room for three days. Three days in a room with 20 militant leaders, leaders with a Muslim speaker, and the Muslim speaker was a PhD in Sharia law who happens to be a follower of Christ. He was the speaker, 20, 29 years old. I say to him, well, at least, at least you're a follower of Jesus. Have you ever done this before? Like, he's like, no, this is crazy. The, the speaker thinks it's crazy. It's like his people. He thinks it's crazy. I look at the American guy, I'm like, do you know, do you know what he said? I don't, I don't need to know what he said. I know what God said. So we start, and I, I, I won't tell you how the whole thing went, but the first session, you get in the room, and it's, it's all these Muslim guys. The Muslim speaker stands up, gives his credentials. They're all like, wow, Whew, PhD in Sharia law from, from Egypt. Wow, hmm, impressive, great speaker. And here's the first thing he says. Nobody, this is his opening line. The whole room is Muslims except five Americans that, uh, that just helped facilitate it. Nobody is higher than Jesus who is God. <laughs> that was his opening line. All the Americans were like, Where, where's the exit? There it is, right there. We're all going there. We'll be out right outside praying our guts out on the way to the airport And for the one young American guy that thought this was a good idea. And I mean, that whole room exploded with hostility. I mean, people started screaming and like ripping their clothes and like it was such blasphemy. And that was the first 20 minutes. We have three days to go. That's what it's going to be. And it goes, anyway, in the final session, and I'll tell you, the young guys up there, the young guy that wanted to do this, the American that wanted to do this, standing next to the, to the Muslim guy who's doing it, the last question at the very end of the whole thing is, knowing all this, do you now agree that we must invite Jesus into our lives as the king in the kingdom and put our faith in him, kingdom and faith? We must agree we must do it now. Do you agree? And he goes one by one around the room going, do you agree? With a microphone. Do you agree? In front of all the other most. Do you agree that we now need to invite Jesus into our life as king of our life? Do you agree? And the first guy goes, yes, I agree. One. We got one. Run. We have one. That's enough. That's a prayer letter. That's an awesome prayer letter. Get out while we can. Martyrdom's not as good. And then... And, all the way around the room, all the way around to the one guy who's the head of Islamic studies of a country, to this guy. And we're all waiting for it to get to this guy. Do you agree? This 30-year-old American young guy and this younger Muslim follower of Jesus, do you agree? They're like this in front of him. Most of the rooms agree. Do you agree? Except Jesus now is king. We're all holding our breath. And, and he says, I've waited my whole life, my whole life, to know that this was possible. Yes, 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 I agree. Yeah, that's what we did. We were like, we've been all for this the whole time, the whole time. We were against the whole thing. Yay! Then they, agree, then they, then they have an agreement. The whole group decides, we need to do this every six months. 
And we need the faculty of all the Islamic schools in our country here next time we do this. And they've already arranged to do it again. Do you know who can do that stuff? You can. You can. That guy had no, that young guy had no qualification to do that, except he had faith. He just thought it could be done. Why not? Why not? Faith is the substance of the things he hoped for. It was the evidence of the things he couldn't see yet. Now what I'm afraid of is now what is he hoping for? Now what does he want to see? It's going to be impossible. But that's what Jesus does. I'm, I'm asking you, come, come with me. Come. Get a ticket. Get a passport. Come with me out there. It's the most incredible thing you've ever seen. Father, thank you for these people. Just thank you for them, Lord. Stir in their hearts your two favorite topics, kingdom and faith. Kingdom and faith. And Lord, show them things that they don't know yet. Things that are awesome, things that are great. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Join me. So that was awesome. What I'd like for us to do that we don't do enough of here, um, a great phrase is make room for the Holy Spirit. So uh, I might mess up our closing song, Brett. But I'd like everybody just to take a moment and close your eyes. And uh, just talk to God. One of the things that we've always wanted to be a legacy here at Grace Life, that I'm going to admit, we're a young church and we haven't seen it happen yet, is for us to send people all over the world. I've rarely seen a church better at going across the street. Man, when we say we're doing something in Columbia, so many of you show up, we have to tell some of you to go home every time. But one thing that we haven't seen enough of is people in this group right here saying, send me. Send me. I'll give up the white picket fence. I'll give up the Disney vacation. I'll live where grass doesn't grow. Send me. Let's just take a moment and say, God, where would you send me? What would you have me do? I know you live in me and you can do anything, anywhere. Are you telling me? What are you telling me here today? If you guys will just keep thinking about that, keep talking to God. I want to talk to another group of people, and that would be those of you that although you are in America and though you are sitting in a church on a Sunday morning, no one's ever put a microphone in your face and said, are you ready to declare Jesus as your king? I'm not going to put the mic in your face, but I'm going to ask you that question right now. If you are here and you have never begun a personal relationship with Jesus, you've never declared him to be the king of your life. You've never said to him, thank you that you died for me, so now I want to live for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that here this morning. You don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything else. I am just going to help you begin a conversation with him. If you would, just pray with me. Say something like this to yourself, to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I do 
want to live for you. I thank you that that means your spirit and all your power dwells within me. And it also means that you have a great purpose for my life. And I ask you today to give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.